Welcome to Girls That Invest, your dream today by your host, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Howdy. Oh, that's a different welcome. I'm trying to switch it up. I'm trying to be quirky. That's what happens when you know someone for so long. You're just trying to spice things up after a while. Get too comfortable. What's new? Tell me about your life. Things have been good. I have been spending a lot more time like resting as per your advice. Oh my God. Sonia just mouthed love it. I laid down and watched a Netflix show for like three episodes in a row. Mm-hmm. What was the show? Inventing Anna. So it's still like money related and it's a good show. Just for context real quickly, it's like the Tinder Swindler, but a woman. And honestly, I think she does a better job. She like aggravated me so much in it though. I kind of liked her. Really? And like I hated what she did, but like just like imagine being literally worth nothing and like somehow coming up with these big ideas. The ideas were great. The execution was horrible. I think you can start, you know, a great business. You just shouldn't fraud your way through it. I think this is a great segue into our topic today. What are we talking about? We are talking about generational wealth and I am so excited for this one because let's be honest, it's been a buzzword. It's been something that I think a lot of people talk about. You kind of see it thrown around. If you're in the personal finance space, especially you'll do definitely see this. I just want to break it down with you today. And I think we've got some really interesting, deep, controversial opinions about generational wealth. So let's get right to it. Now, before we do, what is generational wealth? Like, how do you define it? It's not necessarily just bougie cars and living in a nice house and everyone having funds for the rest of their lives. Generational wealth is described as financial assets, like property, investments, money, or anything with monetary value. So this can be jewelry, it can be heirlooms, like even like fine china or silverware that you pass down from one generation to the next. So they're they're also intangible things like financial education, being financially literate, values, habits, and I would say networks, you know, the people you know, the people your family know as an important part of generational wealth that gets passed down that not everyone has access to. And therefore people are starting life off in different ways. We've been wanting to talk about this for a very long time. What was your first experience with generational wealth? Did you hear that term? You know what? No, I don't feel like I heard about the term until like a couple of years ago or or even more so than the last few years. But the idea or the concept has been around for a while. It was just like, oh, there's a word for it. I just remember in primary school. So if you guys are new and you haven't really had a lot of context, Sonia and I went to school together since we were five years old and it was a predominantly white neighborhood. We were, I think, the only Indian people in our class and maybe our year level back when we started school. And I just recall experiencing a sort of a confusing situation situation where my mum is a teacher and my dad's an engineer so they did well for themselves financially and I would have friends where their experiences of what their parents did it didn't seem like their parents were making a lot of money but they would have batches all of them all of them would have batches all of them would have holidays that they would go to everyone would go to the gold coast and like movie world and dream world and I just used to be very confused and I just thought my parents were very stingy because I was like my parents have the same jobs as these people but we don't go anywhere we don't have a batch we have we were renting back then and then we had one house but that was it and it never occurred to me that it's not just your parents money that your family can rely on or have access to is this thing called generational wealth. And I remember my friends, like it's very, very sad, but often they would get inheritances when their grandparents would pass away and then they would use that to buy a nice car or to help them, you know, buy a home. And no one 
would say that they would trade their grandparents for an inheritance or their parents for inheritance. Like that's messed up. But it was my first experience to be like, okay, there's more at play. It's not just what your parents do that determines how wealthy you are. It's interesting because when we look back at those experiences and those observations, you're like, wow, I've actually witnessed that and experienced it and now we're just associating a term with it. Do you have any experiences? Like, Do you remember that stuff growing up? With me, I've never actually heard generational wealth in a good way (laughs) until we started doing Girls That Invest, until we had that exposure on like the gram. And I guess my For You page was a little bit different with these personal finance pages because I've always had not the understanding. I just, I think everyone around me kind of sees generational wealth as a bad thing or they use it to discount other people's like achievements or them getting material things because they're like, oh yeah, they just got inheritance. Like that's why they got a house. I've never seen generational wealth in a good way, which I think is a little bit shocking for me to say like right now, because I view it so differently and my perceptions about money are so different as well. I think the immigrant experience also adds to that. Obviously, like when my parents first came here, my parents worked in an office too. Like they had good paying jobs and like we never had a batch. If we were going to go on holiday, it was to go to India and that's not even a holiday because we're just going from house to house to house. It was like a work trip to see family. It was a work trip and we also had to like give gifts and stuff yes. to everyone so it was an expensive trip. Oh my so God, we'd go yes. like, I only went to India like I would say two or three times which is sad <laughs> that that was our holiday. Like we didn't like go to a batch on long weekends and like, you know, so yeah. That was my first experiences with it. And I think growing up until like early 20s, I always used to think of it in a bad way. It's a really interesting and I think it's honest to be like, you know what? I used to see it as a bad way. I would agree. I think I think I wasn't sure what I truly felt, but part of me was like everyone else says it's a bad thing. I'm going to trust them and kind of look at it as a bad thing, even though I can't work out why I don't like it. I think that's one of my biggest learnings. Like I just took everyone else's word for it and didn't really try to form an opinion on my own and like based on my own experiences and also what I want for the future as well. We talk a good game about like, is money the root of all evil? And I think you've helped teach or like help shift my mindset in using it as a tool. I really just be like brainwashing you episode by episode. Exactly. You're brainwashing everyone right now. And I think it's also easy to look at people that have generational wealth and be like, well, they're a crappy person because they didn't have it as hard as me. And I think that, like from my experience, I think it comes from a level of, you know what, life is unfair and how dare they just have it easier and not realize it. And I think when people have generational wealth and they flaunt it or they speak about it in a way of like, I worked really hard to like get here or like I started with a small loan of a hundred million dollars like Donald Trump uh, uh, speaks of or or the way Kim Kardashian speaks about like, you know, her advice to women is always like hard work related. And I do not doubt for a second that she works her ass off, but to speak about your hard work and to never mention your generational wealth and your privilege. I don't think people realize that the Kardashians were not poor. They were big in the Beverly Hills circles before the Kardashians show. Like Kris Jenner has lived a nice lifestyle since she was 17. Sure, not everyone has the level of fame the Kardashians do and their hard work ethic is like important to mention, but 
when people don't acknowledge their generational wealth, that's when I have a problem. But having generational wealth in itself is not a problem to me. Mm -hmm. I think it sets up the false narrative that everyone's on the same playing field or an even playing field. Is that the analogy? I think so. It also just kind of sets up this idea that like, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. And I hate speaking like that. Like I know that it's it's like trying to be inspirational to be like, look, I'm not that smart. I'm not that clever. Like the equivalent of that would me being like, look, I grew girls that invest. Anyone can do it. Or like I, you know, did X, Y, Z, anyone can do it. And I think it's doable, but like I'm not going to act like I didn't have a lot of privileges, maybe not with generational wealth, but like within my parents themselves, that's generational, I guess. I I just think it's so interesting that people have no regard for like expressing their generational wealth or acknowledging it. Like you can be a hard worker and I will respect you for your hard work, but you can also tell me that you had money to help you and I'll still respect your hard work, but I'm, it just helps me as a person to understand that, you know, other things are at play. doesn't take away from your hard work. I also think for business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing tap to pay on iPhone powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. It's important to know about generational wealth and understand it because it helps you give yourself a little bit more grace as well. Like when you're comparing on social media, when you're comparing yourself and your families like to other people, I think in New Zealand, what I've witnessed and what I've heard of a lot is year 13s having to drop out and having to go get jobs to help pay for families rent, food, help out with the bills. If they had generational wealth or if they finance wasn't a burden, they didn't have to think of that, they could pursue education that's the biggest one for me and it like makes me so sad also when you think about like colonization and like the history of New Zealand like when you're talking about land and people being passed down land and that's helped them because then they can sell off their land because it's worth millions and millions now like think about the indigenous land and how much stolen land there was and how much of that land isn't with indigenous people at the moment you know there's so many societal issues to unpack with generational wealth I think that's why I've always seen it in a certain type of way but I like the distinction that you've made that someone having generational wealth isn't a bad thing if they acknowledge their privileges you've got extreme forms of generational wealth which is of people that have family that have been colonizers of people that have family that have stolen land or benefited from stealing land like in new zealand the south island for context those that are not from new zealand most of the south island was taken by colonizers off 
Māori who were the Indigenous people to the point where New Zealand went from being 100% owned by Māori, the land, the land was then shot down to 4.5% of the entire country is now owned by Māori land. And most of that is concentrated in the North Island. South Island is very, very, very European because they Māori have been kicked out. And if you look at places like Queenstown, which is a huge holiday spot destination, very luxurious, very expensive. At one point, Māori owned that land and they would have benefited from this holiday destination spot and the way that this is like one of our most expensive parts of real estate in this country, but they were literally robbed of it. And the fact that like a few families own most of the land and the commercial real estate in Queenstown, you know, like that main area, it's not owned by like each different company. It's just a few people, a few families. And that's the kind of generational wealth where I don't know how I feel about that. I think acknowledging it is important, but like acknowledgement without action doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm not saying that they sell all their land and give up all their wealth and like whatever, but I think, yeah, maybe donating to those charities. It's hard for me to speak up about what would be the most appropriate thing because whatever, for example, Māori say is the best way to do it, then that's what I agree with. I love that. I think that's like the way to lead it for sure. So the way that I'm seeing it now is that more people are, and I think it's quite empowering, is that more people are talking about it and thinking about generating wealth for like their own kids and their own family. If you don't want kids, then like nieces and nephews or your friends and how you can pass that wealth on. It's less more, I want to make this all this money because I want to be the richest person ever or like have all this money to do whatever I want. It is commentary around how I can take care of other people and that's how I see it like community focused generational well I completely agree what's the point of like being so wealthy if everyone around me isn't and I can't take care of them I think a lot of people now look at generational wealth in this separate context where you are growing your wealth to help yourself but also your family and the families after and it's not money that is coming from the exploitation of others because up to this point most if not all generational wealth has come from some terrible cause and I think that's where a lot of the negativity comes from it's like wow you're wealthy and you're enjoying like thanks to what like off whose back was that from whereas now it's I'm increasing up into the corporate ladder or I'm starting a business I'm doing these other things I'm investing in the share market and that's building my generational wealth and it's not you know the same kind of way to obtain it do you think the way people obtain wealth is maybe why we're starting to not see it as such a bad thing. I think we're seeing an increase and definitely our generation, like millennials, Gen Z, we're very focused on ethics and the ethical side of everything before we pursue like a side hustle, for example, we're considering, you know, are these workers being paid appropriately? How am I generating this money? Even the commentary around billionaires and people with extraordinary amounts of wealth. We've rebranded generational wealth and as generational wealth, asterisks, but ethically. I love that. I also want to talk about the impact of generational wealth on the fact that when people, like let's say you've done it, you did it, you, you grew the generational wealth, awesome. There's, there was actually a really groundbreaking study that the Williams Group did where they looked over 20 years, which is a long time to follow people around, and they looked at over 3,200 families. Again, 3,000 families to stick around for 20 years from a researcher's point of view is a chef's kiss, and they found that 7 out of 10 families, so 70% of families lost their fortune by the second generation. Let's say you and me had a family, and our family 
not our children, but our grandchildren would have lost 70% of the hard-earned money that we built for them and 90% lost it by the third generation. So not our kids, not our grandkids, but our great-grandkids would have lost 90% of this generational wealth that we have grown for them. Go back and haunt the shit out of them. (laughs) If you are listening to this, my great-grandchildren, and you have messed up, I will be there. How? How do they lose it? Think about it this way. What is going on when you give someone a lot of money and they don't get taught the work ethic and they don't get taught financial literacy and they're just like, mum's got me. I have met a lot of people in my life who have experienced generational wealth but not experienced the other side of it, of of how to maintain it and how to grow it. Mm. And and sometimes they come around and they get it right and, you know, they're back on their reins. But sometimes they don't because – If you know that like life has got you and you've got a safety net and you've got millions and millions in the bank account, why would you try at uni? Why would you try at a job? Like there's nothing motivating you. Whereas like people like you and me, if we don't work, it's not like we have something to fall on. Like if we want to live a nice lifestyle, it's like our hard work and ethics and obviously the privileges that push us there. But Like that same lifestyle, if you get it for free versus if you work for it, you're going to treat that money differently. That's just my opinion. I don't know if that's like backed by research, but forget generations. You see like athletes and stuff lose in one generation, like their own generation. Like they'll make a lot of wealth, poor guys and girls, they make a lot of wealth in their 20s. They're retired from their sports by like early 30s. That's still really young. And they're not busy learning how to manage their money. And so, so many of them end up broke or bankrupt or poor by the time they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s. So you can kind of see how it happens. I think when you're an athlete, for example, and you're so focused on being the best athlete you can be, how are we going to prioritize financial literacy? And in your head, you're probably like, oh yeah, my accountant's got me. Oh yeah, the team's got me. Like they're making these decisions like with my best interest and heart. And then when you aren't useful to that team or useful as an athlete or what have you, and you are just pushed to do things on your own, like that's going to be hard. Like you have to learn everything from scratch. The fact that this can happen all due to like lack of financial education, like the difference between someone being in that position versus someone that's retired and literally living off their income and their investments after being a child actress is just having someone that's like, hey, let's spend an hour a week learning about financial literacy. I'm your family accountant and I'm going to help you like learn how to manage your wealth because X, Y, Z. Like you hear those stories about child actors who have, you know, get paid so much money and they just don't get taught how to use it or the adults in their life have misused it and it's so sad agreed because you can have money but knowing how to manage it as we've spoken about is a completely different thing there are some kinds of generational wealth where i'm like i am so for it i'm so proud of you and your family and i wish you all the best like i'm happy for you No part of me is feeling a type of way and then there's that level of generational wealth where it's like you are literally the descendants of slave owners like i just don't know how i can feel good about that and for anyone that's listening, it's like, what What do you mean like money is a tool? We were basically talking about the idea of like, I was speaking to a friend 
who's in business and we were talking about a business that's making like 1 million in revenue versus 15 million. And I was like, 15 million is a bit excessive to be making in revenue in a company. Like why, why do you need that? And she was like, well, think about it. If this person has a mission that they're trying to achieve, let's say it's Jay Shetty, for example, Jay Shetty is a monk. He speaks about like, you know, being monk-like, I don't know, a relaxed, peaceful, mindful. And yet he operates as a business and he makes millions of dollars. And Jay Shetty doesn't look at it as, oh, I'm making a lot of money. He looks at it as, okay, well, this extra money that my business is generating is now more money to get videographers, to get content creators, to get people on my team, to get agents, to help me spread my message further and do that good work on a global scale. And so that's what he's been able to achieve versus money is evil. Why would I monetize my message? Because on like a personal note, he might feel good about that, but then people wouldn't have had Think Like a Monk as a book. We wouldn't have the understandings of the teachings that he's had, the podcast. And so Yeah, I think it's a tool and it's just, are you going to be a good person or a bad person? I don't think we can blame money for that. Mm. I'd be really interested to know what our listeners think of this. We'll definitely put a Facebook poll up. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap things up. If you have any interest in talking about this further, jump onto the Facebook group. Girls That Invest will have a poll up to, to chat about it. We have our Instagram. We've also got TikTok. And if you are looking for a little bit more Girls That Invest, we also now have a Monday episodes dropping on top of our Tuesday ones called Sticky Money Mondays. We basically break down any questions that you need help with when it comes comes to money and sticky money situations and now the disclaimer girls that invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs we are not financial advisors the advice from girls that invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision advice from girls that invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances always do your research and please use your due diligence Alrighty, till next time team, bye.